This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Green and White, the weekly Argyle Life podcast. I'm your host Josh and with us this week we have Nick. Hello. We have Adam. Hello. And we have Finn. Hello. Just a quick reminder that for all the articles and up-to-date Argyle news and analysis, make sure you check us out Argyle Life on Facebook and Argyle Life 1886 on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can also make sure you don't miss another podcast by subscribing to Green and White on Spotify or iTunes where the new episode is is uploaded each week. Uh, it was a, oh, a a somewhat okay weekend for Plymouth Argyle this week uh, as we went away to Bristol Rovers in the FA Cup second round. Uh, having been a goal down, Argyle had a penalty late on to level and then the same player, Anthony Sarsovic, missed another penalty shortly afterwards uh, that would have seen us through and into the third round. Uh, where we are set to take on either Coventry or Ipswich, which we'll discuss later on in the episode. Uh, so, Finn, we'll go to you. You were at the game. How did you yeah. think it went this weekend? Yeah, I thought it was a, another good performance. Um, I think we more than matched a side about 23 places up in the football pyramid, which is kind of quite impressive. I didn't actually think that they uh, had much firepower. Obviously, they had um, Johnson Clark Harris and um, I felt in the end really Argo were good uh, for the for the replay and probably well should have probably nicked it at the end but could have won in their own right if it wasn't for that penalty anyway but a draw is probably fair worth noting Argo should have had a third penalty as well clear foul on Mayer uh, oh yeah I think it was Mayer wasn't it for the other one before we even got one um Yes, I think it. Yeah, yeah, because he dribbled. He dribbled through about three defenders, and he got there pushed, but he didn't. Barged over on the ball. Yeah, in the box. Yeah. It's similar to where he actually won the penalty in the end, but from a different angle. But yeah, that should have been a penalty too, definitely. Um, so yeah, should have had three, really. What do you think about the game, Nick? How do you think? It, how did you see it play out? Um, so it's a bit crap, really. Um, to be honest, because Bristol Rovers basically played five it was it was sort of five four one really for the majority of the game until they um until they went a bit more attacking in the last twenty minutes but for the most part it was 
us having quite tame possession and going nowhere under not too much pressure around our defence, because obviously they're set off, so we've got plenty of possession through um, Sawyer and Wooten. And them whacking long balls to Johnson Clark Harris all day long. Um, so it didn't really make for good football. The uh, Well, Argos Trollter are really making inroads because they're facing two banks, and uh, obviously we've got Sarsvich and Edwards on one side, obviously aren't going to create anything, so it basically had to go through May. It was a bit. It was almost reminiscent of going back to uh, games against, like, uh, Newport. I think. Yeah, New- not even Newport. We did better than Newport. Newport pressed us much higher up the pitch. We had a lot more ball in the middle. Yeah. Just didn't really create anything with it. Um, yeah, like I said, it changed a bit when uh, Rovers pushed forward a bit more, um, particularly late on. Played a, a good territorial game, really. Um, well, in the last 20 minutes, otherwise it was quite boring. Mm. Um, Do you think. Do you think teams are showing Argyle too much respect? No, I thought it was a quite sensible lineup, really, away. because uh, um, it, 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 one, it's what Rovers do anyway. I think Adam will back me up on this. I think the opposition view, um, the Rovers chat who did that for us, they basically said that that would happen. They'd go back to their normal style. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's just their, their style. They, they, a lot of teams put men behind the ball and play long ball games. That's not out of the ordinary. Um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think it was more just they went back to that. Johnson Clark Harris up front, who seemed to win a lot in the area, even against Canavan, who we know is pretty good at it. We could see we we know from the past Clark Harris got a shot on him, and we we almost saw it again when he hit the side net in. So yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm not surprised they played that style, and with, with the way that it's working for him in the league, you can hardly say it's not effective. Yeah, I, I yeah, noticed. The... Sorry, I noticed no, the yeah, go on. Um, I noticed the podcast that um, you did, Adam, and. Yeah, I thought they played exactly pretty much how um, the Rovers guy on that podcast said that they were going to play sort of effective but not eye-catching, and yeah. they were exactly that. Because um, although I mentioned that Argo were good on the ball, yeah, they did struggle to break them down. Like, they kept the ball well, but they didn't really, yeah, go forward very much. It's as if we were running the game a lot. I think particularly just before they scored, you could see that we were trying to break them down. We had a couple of long shots. I think Danny Mayer may have scuffed one. You had Telford drag one wide just before they scored. And it felt like that was the order of the day almost. We did have, you know, we were doing a lot of the probing. We did have a, a lot of the ball just to, to my eye anyway, but it wasn't the cutting edge that we were able to offer. And whether that's a combination of a lack of creativity on our side or some good defending on their side, it's probably a bit of both, to be honest with you. So yeah, it's, it's kind of gone how the game, or, or it was the sort of game that we expected it to be. And I guess it, it, it it's just nice to go into a game with, with five minutes going we're losing to come out of it thinking we ought to have won. So it's got to say something about the character of the side. Would be the first come from behind win under low as well. Um, I was going to say on on the topic of who controlled the game, um, you could say that we had we didn't even have more. We had fifty one forty nine possession in the end, but it it looked like we certainly had more possession than they did, um, particularly in the first hour or so. Um, but then that doesn't necessarily constitute control because you can be in control of the game without having the ball. Um, I, I wouldn't say that meant Rovers controlled the game or we controlled the game, just that we you know, ended up with the ball and we were happy enough with it. They ended up without the ball for the most part and they were also happy enough without it. So I wouldn't, wouldn't say either side really controlled the game. It was just a bit of a stalemate yeah, for the majority. No one really got the upper hand, did they? As I say, it was very much a case of us trying a few long shots, not really getting anything away. Then playing a few long balls, not really getting anything to stick until until later on. So yeah, it a little damp squib of a game really. I I could look at Nick's assessment of crap and say you know that's fairly accurate, but 
I mean, we're getting back to home park in, what, a week's time now. I expect more of the same. Hopefully we can come out on the right side of it. I think we're good Do you enough think to we get full strength home. for that? Yeah, I think, I think you have to. And I know that see the the next draw isn't exactly inspiring, um, but it's, you always want to go as far as you can, don't you? Because I think as, as straight as they are, the next draw being at home is an advantage. So you beat two League One sides and then theory you should have a much better chance of your rods are better of drawing a uh, a top side um so i think it's always good to keep going and i'm, I'm correct in saying that we get um a set fee just for reaching the round don't we yeah it's yep. like 50 odd thousand prize money if we win the replay or something like that yeah, yeah. so i think it's for a club like us it's always worth mm-hmm. going as far as we can and i would play full strength particularly as i mean the third round will be on a saturday to, uh, as well so i'd certainly be surprised if the not. kitty in january into Jamie Reid, you mean? Hmm. Um, and I was also going to say, as you said, but it's, uh, Sam in a different chat to me earlier put it this way, beat two League One teams at home and we're in the uh, fourth round of the FA Cup. Go on, someone tell me the last time we're in the yep. fourth round of the FA Cup. Probably that um, time we got to the quarterfinal, Watford yeah, in about seven, 2007. Wasn't it? Nope. Yeah. No, have we beaten someone since? Nope. We beat Hull 3 2 in one of them, didn't we? We did, and who did we I lose to? No idea. Eventual Imagine winners? It. Sounds like a. Oh, the Portsmouth one, of course, yeah. Well, yep. Where we, Only uh, side as I remember, we ought to have been FA out Cup of sight, didn't we? Yeah. I wouldn't say out of sight, but we definitely deserved a draw at the very least. But yeah, sorry, a little bit of trivia for you there. And they won the FA Cup at that um, that year, didn't they as well? Yeah, yeah. Like I say, we're the only side to score against them, including United. United didn't score against them. Chris oh, Clark, blimey. big deflection. <laughs> Trice Rory Fallon had a hell. How of a many game years ago day. was that? That was two thousand and eight, wasn't it? So, so eleven years. Two thousand and eight. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But anyhow, yeah. Like 12, say, I say, the two league yeah. one sides at home are in the uh, fourth round of the FA Cup. I was going to say, circling back to the game, that that goal we conceded, I just can't help what, I know it was a bit more preventable than it was. The question is, how are you going to apportion blame for it? Because, so if you watch it back, there are, the key moment is when that space that Circum eventually scores and gets vacated. Now that space is the defensive midfield space. It's where Josh Grant should be, where you'd have Baxter, or formerly Baxter, or um, Joe Edwards if they were playing there previously. That's where they need to cut that ball out. Because the three centre-backs can't. They have to you know, hold that line to prevent the ball getting across the face of the six-yard box. That's where it's most dangerous. So the question is, was Josh Grant justified in going out and following Clark Harris? Should he have sent someone else, one of the centre-backs for himself, so he could reclaim his position? Or Sarsovic, for example. Or, and if you watch back, Sarsovic is slow to get back and meander, you know, just sort of lazing, lazing around's harsh, but he's very slow to get back into position with no good reason. Should Sarsovic tuck in and cover that spot because it's his flank? I can't determine which of the two, I think, are at fault, but that's that's where the cause of the goal comes from. We leave that space vacant and Circum just waltzes in and scores as he's you know done pretty consistently throughout his career. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I thought Josh Grant had a an actually quite a good game on Saturday. Um, so I think 
with those kind of um, ones that are cut back into the box, someone's got to be there to cut those out, haven't they? But it could be either one of those. I'm not, yeah, I'm not particularly sure. Was it the case, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm only going off memory here, I haven't actually been able to watch it back. Um, was it a case that they were doubling up there on the left and it needed someone to at least offer another body there? And was that what dragged... They were, which Was is, that where Josh Grant they was They are, that's, that's, that's why I'm saying... Grant follows Clark Harris, but he can, as, as defensive mid, he's got to have that voice. He's got to either point someone else out to go with him, because it's not like Clark Harris is going anywhere particularly fast, or he's got to instruct someone to get in cover behind him. At the end, this, it looks a bit like a lack of communication, just a little bit of laziness, potentially, because, like I say, Sarsovich, there's no reason why he can't get back mm. and cover it. It's his side. He's got to you know get deep and fill I that think... space. Josh Grant goes quite a long way with Clark Harris doesn't he, as he comes out. He goes he quite does. a long way with him. So I think there's someone else's job to... It's not like he's charged out onto the wing and left the space vacant. Like, in all, in, all this all happened very quickly. He, he's gone with the man who he was closest to, um, stayed with him, and obviously it's left a gap, but I, I shouldn't really need him to shout, cover me or something for a professional footballer at this level to recognise when they need to sit in um, and and when there are players to mark. So I think it's harsh to... It would be harsh to say that was his fault, even though it might have been his remit had he been not not gone out there. But they don't, if he doesn't go out there, who knows what happens? You know, it's a bit of my auntie had balls sort of situation, isn't it? Because either way, he's not going to do something and, and if he doesn't go out, then you say... Why has he gone out and dealt with it? I think um, also, whilst we're talking about the goal as well, I think it's worth talking about the striker situation because I didn't think that Joel Grant was really in the game again on Saturday and there's been a couple like that recently. After that good run of form he had in the lead-up to Exeter, he seems gone off the boil a bit. So I would play Telford because I felt he was good when he came on and for a small man, he can actually sort of hold the ball up quite well. Um, and also... I'm I'm thinking, I'm not even sure looking at the replay for the second penalty, whether that's a penalty in terms of, is it um, Manasseh or something? Uh, he, he doesn't really push Byron Moore. He's kind of waiting for it and he kind of gets Get off there it. Himself. It's definite penalty. He's applying pressure from I, behind consistently and forces him down. Definite penalty. Well, it looked like well, Moore was trying to keep his feet, didn't it? Well, even so, like, I think he's looking for that. And no. I, I, but... Last minute I, I think he... goal, I don't buy that. No, I think I think Moore's gone through. He's tried to stay on his feet, which has made it look a little bit more dodgy than it perhaps could have done if he's just charged into him and sent him down. But it's a penalty for me. But yeah, I'm, the I've... defenders locked arms with him. I think that's part of the problem. Is yeah, yeah. He's come from behind. He's sort of locked arms. Regardless, I think there's enough there. Regardless, you've when got he to recognise that Grant uh, more rather goes from full speed to slowing down to take the shot, and that pressure and that physical contact, and him just being directly behind him is always going to cause him to at least stumble. And once he stumbles, his pressure and the weight of the guy is going to take him down. Definite penalty. Mm, yeah, fair enough. And good. I, I mean, I I want our strikers winning penalties in that situation, unless it's the opportunity to score is there. I mean, I appreciate the opportunity to score is there, but I'm not going to complain with any striker who wins a penalty in that position. I was more or less posing the question because I, I still have reservations about his finishing one on one. Like there was a yeah one well, at Bolton. Um, yeah, not the worst so, thing that he's uh, <laughs> winning penalties. Then yeah. I think even even well, 
I don't know, he never really opens himself up to shoot properly, does he? So I guess it's difficult to say whether he would have scored or not. Certainly appears like he should have done had he not gone down and won the penalty. Um, yeah, I, I think Telford's back to full fitness or getting there. I think it'd be good option to start. I know you're right about what you say about how he holds the ball up. I think it's proof that holding the ball up is about technique as much as it is about size and physicality. Um, and he's very good at bringing the ball down and, and bringing other players into play for a man of about five foot tall. Um, no, I think he's really good at that role. I think it Nick, makes you got any thoughts sense, on this? Oh, it? Go yeah, on, I'll sorry, I'll tell you. I'll be the. Yeah. Nick, I'll play the Nick role. Um, go on yeah. then. Um, it, it it makes sense as, as far as I'm concerned to bring him in. I think we've mentioned that penalty. I think it was a case that yes, there's a defensive mistake in there to keep them both onside and the poor clearance initially. But Telford and Moore linked up, you know, pretty well to to get Moore away. And if there's a signs that there's a partnership there, added to the fact that we we've already seen some good from Telford this year in his hold up play. I always go back to to his goal against Leighton Orient. That was an excellent finish. So there's. There's a lot of good there, and I think, as Finn's mentioned, Joel Grant, he's been on that run, but he's he's not looked too convincing, particularly in recent weeks. I think the the opportunity to have a Telford-Moore strike partnership in the next game away at Cambridge, you know, makes a lot of sense to me. Mm. Yeah, I think it's worth for, giving a go. For me, one of the key things, one of the key, well, I'm sure everyone agrees, but one of the key elements of being a manager is knowing... Um, what changes and when are going to improve your team rather than just you know sticking with the winning teams? One of Adams' biggest failings, I don't think he ever really understood that. And for me, you look at Grant might have gone through that goal-scoring run, but his performances weren't very good during that period. He generally would just pop up to you know get involved in a goal-scoring moment as opposed to being continually involved throughout the game. Um, and I'll be looking at now that the goals have dried up again, I'll be looking at Telford coming in as a improvement in that role potentially. I mean, he's shown what he can do. He's been unfortunate that the two times he's looked sharp, he's then gone off injured. And he's only got, what, three starts? Is it three or four starts? All mm, season? Yeah, the vast majority that. of his games have been sub-appearances quite late. He definitely, we're defending like a lead. he definitely looks like the sharpest striker that has um, you know, played this season. In terms of... Oh, imagine Telford and Jamie Reid up front, though. <laughs> yeah. Got me dreaming yeah, already. That would be exciting. Yeah, well, it does seem does seem like there's a link there. there, doesn't it? By all accounts, putting two it and two so. together, then leaving at sixty know. minutes when he got subbed off. Yeah, Lowe was allegedly watching. I uh, love Torquay lose five-one to Stockport. Was it? Might have been started. I think they played Stockport recently. He was there to uh, watch their game anyway, and he left shortly after the third goal slash when Jamie Reed was subbed off. And here's a uh, reader's hot property. Mm. You got to think, that's, though. yeah. Got to think, right? If we're not just going to be the only team looking for him because if he, like his, his goal scoring record at that level is phenomenal. Um, Southwest so, lad, though, isn't he? He's as in he spent a lot of time in his career Southwest. Yeah, he's never been outside the Southwest. Mm. Exeter on loan to Truro, on loan to Dorchester, and then Torquay. Right. So he's settled, and he he, so he wouldn't have to move house. Simple. I mean, assuming he lives next door to Torquay, still wouldn't have to move. Yeah, no, we said it could be the the one occasion where our location actually helps us in signing the player. Yeah. Aside from maybe Blissett or someone like that, we've rarely had that chance to say, "Oh well, you're in the same area. 
come, you know, come down to Plymouth. I mean, we've I mean, got Grant, so I guess let, as well, Joel Grant, but it rarely happens. Let's face it, the Nathan Blissett deal, us being close, wasn't a good thing, was it? Because no, no, of course. Got yeah. Nathan Blissett <laughs> as much as he tried. Um, I love that goal against bit, Crew. Been an interesting one. True, very true. Yeah. Um, Interesting to see what happens in that one. Whether anything does, uh, we've you know, Lowe's talked about having the opportunity to sign players in January. He's not hidden the fact that he would want to as well. So, be interesting to see what happens. I don't know. Don't know what any deal might cost. I would imagine that he's probably not going to be very cheap. Well, it was like um, I, a couple of weeks ago we just um, discussed Olamola, isn't it? So it's the same situation in terms of one a couple of strikers if. At least one has to leave before we get another striker in, surely. But then Rodden's contract's yeah. ending, Billy Clark's contract's ending. I imagine yeah. both of those are gone. I remember saying at the time, there was this, signing Clark was such a stupid thing to do. If we're going to play a territorial style, you don't want Billy Clark. He's not going to do it. It was never going to be a good idea unless you're going to go back to that possession style, and so it's basically proved. Um, on well, that topic as well, honest, I was going to say... I've completely forgotten Billy Clark existed. Yeah. Really, you know, he's a genuinely good player, and he's uh, was never going to work it like that. Um, thought that at the moment we saw we'd signed him. What a waste of money that's looking like it's going to be. Um, uh, but I was also going to say, how much? Genuine question here. Something I was thinking about. How much should we trust Low financially speaking? Because when you look at his transfers, the vast majority of them so far haven't really played out. Like Ameson's barely played. Telford's barely played. Mayer's arguably under well no he's definitely underperforming when you consider he was voted second best in the division last season now we wouldn't probably wouldn't even get in the top 10 if, you, if you're going to vote who's the best player of the season how many people are going to say Danny Mayer is our player of the season um, you look at Baxter who's gone that was a failure Clark almost certainly going to be a failure and a waste of money um, Rudden uh, yeah Rudden um Josh Grant until his move to centre mid, so that's that's definitely. Oh, even though I wouldn't say Josh Grant was a failure, but you'd look at some people would have probably put him in that bin, particularly after Exeter. Just genuine point here is um, that all signs suggest that this is Argyle's most expensive squad, and it might not be, but all signs suggest this is Argyle's most expensive squad post administration. And think about how much money of that has been spent directly by Low and how cost effective it's been. And the answer is it hasn't really, for the most part. But it's his so, only is only his first transfer window, so. But he still spent a hell of a lot. Of, what it seems like he has spent a hell of a lot of money, and for not really any input. Well, I'm not saying we don't trust him with money. I'm saying it's a uh, valid thing to consider that, mm. at the very least, his transfer window, his transfer dealings haven't been that successful. We look at we're still basically the most a uh, good chunk of our team are Derek Adams players: Sarsovic, uh, Sawyer, Grant. Riley until he was injured, Canavan, jo- um, who's the other one? Wooten. Uh, yeah, Wooten, that's one. Yeah. And, you know, he brought in a lot of players and were relying on the Adams players, so, you know, should you trust him with that money? There's a genuine question to ask, not that we shouldn't, just something to consider. Yeah, well, I, I, I would say if it was Jamie Reid that we signed, that would, well, I'm, I'm sure that would be a half-decent signing, if not... It, I'm, I can't see that. Looking at the kind of capabilities of the guy, it, I can't see him not being able to make that step up to lead to. I'll be honest, I've not watched Jamie Reid much. And by yeah. much, I mean at all. Although I'm reliably informed that he was very good in a pre-season friendly we played against him. He was excellent oh, yeah, against us in pre-season. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's good. That's a very similar style to the way we are now, which is, you know, balls over the top chasing behind. So That's for the those, game I've seen him in. Right. For those listening who aren't sure what he's like, what sort of player is he? Um, do, do you want me to go, or does anyone else want to go? I'll go if you all want. Go ahead. Alright, so, yeah, no, I, I think um, he's kind of quick off the mark. Um, I guess similar to sort of Telford players, just maybe a bit more stocky. Um, yeah, he's certainly um, a, a, a player that would suit our system um, and look would look well, like you said, like we said before, it, it makes sense because of the location and stuff. I mean, yeah, we're looking at a guy who's um, got 15 goals already this season. He's the joint top scorer in the National League after winning the player of the season for all of uh, National League South last season. He scored 29 league goals, 32 in all competitions. Excellent strike rate. In fact, just Google, uh, Google if you YouTube Jamie Reed Torquay, you can find all of his Torquay goals from, I think, most of this season and all of last season online for you to... Uh, to prove that you're uh, at your is he, is he a bit of an Isaac Vassell in terms of needed to, what was he at Exeter was it? Needed to get away perhaps and just play regular games? Um, sometimes just clicks for players eventually but I imagine that's probably what Luton are allegedly interested and that's probably what they're thinking right now. He's only yeah. 20, 24 as well isn't he? So he's 25. 25 but he's still relatively young. It's got his best years ahead of him. That's We've sure. also got really? the advantage yeah. that whilst he's outside of the compensation window, he is out of contract in the summer. So, I mean, I, I'd imagine he'll go in January, particularly if Luton are interested, but you wouldn't expect him to be too expensive considering that situation. That is that is very true. If his contract is up, that does make things slightly... It changes your bargaining point to an extent, although if lots of teams are interested, it might only have a limited impact. Because they'll still be yeah, able to play teams more. off against each other. They'll probably be recognising this and will be preparing themselves to get as much money as they can. They know they're going to lose him either January or the summer. And then not just that, but you know that like what's a drop in the ocean for Luton with their <laughs> their big spending investors and their higher championship income and so forth, particularly the television money. Like the money that Luton are getting from being in the championship is greater than the total income Argyle have this season, um, or will have this season. Anyhow, um, so like the money that they can spend is more of a drop in the water compared to what would be a big fee for us. It looks like so we're willing to spend. Isn't it? Hmm? it looks like we're willing to spend because if you look at the possibility of George Cooper, well, it probably won't happen now. He's not playing. But oh, Cooper, another one that's been a waste of money. What yeah. for us or the club? <laughs> yeah, let's be very careful, shall we, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I think he is a waste of money, just that thus far, when if you had to do a cost-benefit analysis, he has been a net negative. That's always an exciting way to look at football, cost-benefit analysis. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, Hallett likes it that way, though. So. It's very true, very true. Hey, certainly not. It's difficult to know like what we're paying in terms of wages. You'd imagine all of what he's on... I'd be surprised if it was much less than that, much less than 100% of his wages. I would have thought that would be a chunk off, but it might be all, yeah. Hard to know. Mm, depends what he's on, I guess, as well as much as anything. It's peace for us, so we can assume it's a lot yes. more than he should be. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, we'll have to see what happens, because obviously there'll be, a set, there'll be a set deal for that, but you wonder whether with what he's played so far, it's 
you'd expect it maybe not to be great value for money. So it's worth noting. I think you should be starting, but this is purely on the basis of what has happened, not uh, right what should back. have happened. Yeah, potentially. Well, in the possession style, not the territorial style. McFadden got injured at the weekend, and he got up, but he didn't look that great. And uh, if that's long term, obviously, we talked about Mayer being um, not on off the, you know, not at his best this season as of yet. Um, but you know that link up between him and um, McFadden is crucial to our attacking play in the side. So. Is there any way we can kind of emulate that with players in the squad that we've got? Um, should McFadden be out for a while? So I'd have two responses to that. One is that it's not anymore. But in possession-based, yes, vital. But you might have noticed that pretty much since Mansfield, only one goal scored related to that. And I think only think no big chances created as a result of it. And that was the um, the Bolton goal. Think about it. Think about all those chances we created by playing down our left. All the you know the the two against Crawley, the um, the two against Oldham, the two against Northampton, one against Northampton. Like, all those big chances are created that way. Basically, stopped them in territorial. So I wouldn't say this that they're even that important anymore. They are still important, but we're not creating chances that way. So it's not the end of the world if we lose them. If we're going to continue yeah. playing this way, we didn't. Number pe- one, number two. Conor Grant started there and didn't look too bad. So, and on top of that, you could always put Edwards there potentially and Riley back in. Mm. I'm just wondering if that's an opportunity for Cooper to play. If he... Well, we've been thinking that for a while now. He never should have been dropped, really. Uh, I don't, mm. I don't understand why he was dropped. Was he injured? Well, I think no, he, oh, he, I he had that great run going into Exeter and then was dropped for Mayor. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think it was just a reactionary thing to the Exeter game, which I, I, I don't blame him too much for. And then a case of, well, he's done the classic Derek Adams of sticking with the same side ever since. Hasn't he ever made any changes since yeah. the Bolton game? No, actually, yeah, that's a good point. He hasn't. Mm. Uh, yeah, he's only made enforced changes. I forgot. I always forget that. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, true. Okay, so um, anyway, predictions for coming weekend where Argyle host. Da, 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 Cambridge. Cambridge, Cambridge, totally haven't forgotten that. Where Argyle, da, 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 visit Cambridge. We're away, are we? We seem to be away yeah. all the time Seems at the moment. Like, yeah. yeah. To be fair, uh, we're anyway, home the last away home, to uh, Cambridge. Home the last home game. We're home to Bradford, weren't we? Home the la- you are right. We were home in the last home game, Nick. Thank you. I I absolutely cannot cannot dispute that. I heartily endorse this message. Um, <laughs> okay, so Nick. How do you think the game will go? Um, Cambridge aren't that good. Argyle on good run. Surely got to put it down as a, uh, in particular, run of quite a lot of clean sheets and not many goals conceded. So let's go for uh, 2 0 Argyle. 2 0 Argyle. Finn? 1 0. 1 0. Adam? Let's go 2 1 Argyle. 2 1 Argyle. Like it. Uh, where are Cambridge in the league? Not sure, bottom half. Definitely bottom half, I think. Definitely bottom half. Uh, I'll say, oh, I think we'll, I think we'll have enough. I'll go two-one Argyle. I think, I think we can beat them I for sure. Cambridge are thirteenth, so they're only five 13th. points below Not us. Too bad, albeit we've got a game in hand. They have yeah, also beat. Um, they have also beat Exeter four 0 at home. If that means anything, but today we are screwed. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the end of the show. Thank you all so much for listening. Just a quick reminder, as always, don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify and on iTunes. Make sure you don't miss another episode of Green and White. From all of us here, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.